Live. Welcome to a very special edition, mega, some would say, uh, edition of the Illuminati podcast, proudly presented by Irish 31 and Homefield Apparel. You've got Nathan, Seth, Stieg, as we break down all things early signing day, USF football. Just they, you know, just when just when we're about to give up, they just keep reeling us back in. And uh, we've got some exclusive footage of that last official visit uh, weekend between USF football and the potential recruits. Seth, roll the clip. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? Make a dream come true. Hey, Mr. Scott. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? Make a dream come true. Let's go. Let's perfect. Freaking go, man. What a day. What a day. What a day. Uh, no, no bad surprises uh, for the Bulls today, which, uh, you know, was expected i think they kind of knew who was coming and who was not coming to uh usf but there were some pretty good surprises uh, along the way today folks and we'll we'll get deep into that uh just a, a quick overview of what they did 24 signees today i believe 12 offense 12 defense they did a fantastic job Shoring up some of the areas that they needed to shore up. Uh, Jeff Scott in his press conference uh, today uh, discussing signing day said, well, we had two uh, for the defensive linemen. We had two uh, slides for them. One was the two deep from the 2021 season. And then one was a two deep of what's coming back. And six of the eight defensive linemen are not coming back. So there were plenty and plenty of opportunities for early playing time that, you know, a lot of these bigger schools can't afford right now to these players. And that's the name of the game with the transfer portal guys. You got to get on the field earlier. You're, you may lose some people to the transfer portal and that is perfectly fine that, you know, they're coming into a situation that maybe uh, wasn't presented to them in the right way. This is the opportunity right now to get on the field and make an impact uh, going forward. Steve, you've kind of been all over this uh, recruiting period. Uh, I think you may take a couple days off just to decompress unless Daniel DePrado just keeps pulling off little names, a little like markers for, uh, you know, more people and more people. But uh, how do you feel after, after today? Uh, pretty big day for, for the bulls. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was up at, seven o'clock this morning kind of preparing because i i mean these kids sign these kids sign their nlis really early now to like, you know basically try to get first so i woke up at seven because i was like well there's no way someone's gonna sign like you know like 7 30 that allowed me to get up have some coffee relax um i i think uh there was just a lot good so i was like i prepare myself mentally for the day and then uh byron brown is NLI at like 7.25 this morning. So uh, that kind of uh, role of, of this entire class. And, you know, I, I in the in the early signing day primer that I posted, I, I you know, optimistically said that there were no surprises today. It was going to be the, you know, the, the technically guys that we knew were going to sign. 
we had the guys that we have that we know were transferring. We had the preferred walk-ons. I was like, that's going to be it. We don't have to worry about anything else. You know, I can I can have a nice relaxing day just retweeting and promotion up there. And then they didn't. Um, then uh, some some fun things happened. So uh, overall, um, an exceedingly great day for USF. An absolutely positive step in the right direction. And by far the best part about the entire day was not just the fact that they did the early signing day, but they also gave the update on the indoor practice facility that they said that was going to finish by the summer. For one special as far as good news uh, around the USF program. <laughs> uh, Steve, it's it's finally not me this time. Steve's getting oh, no. absolutely roasted about his internet, and uh, just as the, oh, the right no. time, uh, Samantha and Olivia are actually out uh, getting ice cream as their tree for the night. And uh, I don't know if you guys can hear it. Let's see. Uh, Brody has woken up. So you guys, uh, Steve, you guys keep going, keep talking, and I'll jump back in once I get Brody settled down. Uh, it's, uh, it's man, am I right? Is my is my internet good or is it still? It's all right. It's 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 cutting in and out. Okay, let me let me do this. Let me close out of some stuff. I have like all the tabs open still from uh, earlier today, and I think that's killing my internet. I had fifty eight tabs open at one point, trying to keep track of everything. Um, <laughs> in a line, <laughs> way too many times. Um, <laughs> there was quite a few times that I had to like. I, I, I try to steer clear from typo, really bad words. Uh, and NLI and NIL, I will mess up so many times. National yeah. intent letter, national letter of intent, whatever it is. But Name members yeah. like this national letter of Name, intent. Yeah, <laughs> there's too much going on there you in, go, the, right uh, in the so signing Steve, world. You, you've been following this pretty closely. What do you, who do you think are like the two biggest guys in terms of need? Like, so, what, what do you think are like kind of those top three areas of need that got filled today? So, I mean, I, I think three is probably the, the, the best thing. So um, the first one is the most obvious of this class, and that was Clyde Pender. Um, by the way, if I start skipping again, just yell. I'll, I'll, I'll get the hint. Um, but the, the first one is Clyde Pender on that defensive line, um, followed shortly behind that Nick Bags, uh, who apparently was the recruiting guru for this class and the, the external voice, but uh, getting Clyde Bender to come back home is absolutely incredible. Um, you know, he spent two years in North Carolina in that weight program, got some experience, got some game planning. And he still has three years of playing time left and eligibility. So that's, you know, could have asked for a better one at a, at a very big position of need for USF. Uh, the second one. Um, and I learned something new today. Um, I had been pronouncing it Caffrey Brown. Um, it's Chaffrey. Oh. Don't know where that comes from. I, I can't figure it out. But uh, Chaffrey Brown, the, the, the North Carolina transfer receiver. Um, I know everyone kind of points to Ajo Ajo as like the prize of this. Stuff, but Chaffrey Brown can bring something to USF that we haven't seen since basically 2016. Uh, that deep, explosive receiver threat that just you put him on a go route and he's going to burn some defensive backs if you can get in the ball. Um, so just having him and Jimmy Horn and, and the amount of speed on the team right now was just disgusting. Uh, and then the last one, the one that I'm saying is, is the not necessarily the hidden gem of this class, but a guy that we're going to hear of a lot is uh, Ray Thor in the third. 
Uh, he's the Clemson safety that, that transferred in. I mean, we, we saw how the secondary was last year. There was uh, injuries. There was a lot of issues. There was depth issues and everything like that. Ray Thornton is probably going to be a guy that comes in, starts right away, and makes an impact right away. He is lethal in the back. I mean, he, he wants to do nothing but just absolutely clobber running backs that are running out like outsides um and wheels or anything like that he destroyed some kids in his film so all in all uh, those are the three that i think are first class but i mean i could point to each and every guy in this class and, and say you know amazing things that they're going to be the big impact players that's about them getting to campus learning the schemes strength conditioning doing all that stuff and 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 buying into the program now. Well, well, speaking of getting to campus, didn't Jeff Scott say today that 19 out of the 24 guys they signed will be early enrollees? Yeah, that's that's, uh, that's, that's remarkable. And uh, he he kind of mentioned that there may be one more, and you know, Daniel DePrado kind of with that video that he put out uh, this evening. He, that person could also possibly be a January enrollee. So, I mean, if you get 20 of 25. Uh, early enrollees, man, that's that's giving you a leg up during spring to get these guys into the system, especially in the quarterback room with uh, with uh, Gunner and and Byram, who you know there's only one scholarship quarterback on, on the roster right now, and Timmy McLean. So getting those two guys in, I know uh, was Gunner. Gunner's not coming over. Yeah, Gunner's not, but he'll. I mean, he's an hour and twenty five minutes from USF. I, I he'll probably be there for some strength and conditioning. He probably won't be there for the spring though. So getting getting Byram in to at least get to get, you know, some familiarity is gonna be huge. It'll be uh it'll be Timmy and Rich Jacobs. Then so one they, A and one B. I mean I think we're all in we would I don't think we're going on a limb that they got to bring a quarterback in the portal, right? Like I think that's the, that's the one thing they haven't hit that we've kind of thought they would by now, right? And it doesn't seem like they're going to take one, which is interesting. Um, maybe they'll wait till after spring. I know Jeff uh, Scott in, in his press conference today uh, kind of went through the positions because they they can sign twenty nine guys. Uh, the initial counters uh, it, it was supposed to be thirty two. But as he discussed, because of the two scholarship reductions, because of the NCAA violation penalties from the Charlie Strong era, uh, that got dinked. And then Yusuf Terry was a blue shirt, so that counts as one. So they can bring in 29, and they have 24 right now. And he discussed uh, an, another offensive lineman, a couple of defensive ends, and maybe a cornerback or two as potential fits that maybe they wait until the spring after spring practice, after there's, you know, the spring ball attrition to see if they can fit someone in, see, see what coach Bob Shoops has before doing anything like that. So it's, it's, he, Jeff Scott basically said it's really hard to not uh, shoot your wad in December without saying that. And he was real close to saying exactly that, but that's what it was. You got to be able to hold back some to figure out, okay, what do I actually need to attack, you know, for the summer session before we get into fall camp. So it's so a style recruiting. Yeah. I, I just don't, I don't think there's a quarterback uh, that's coming in, but I could be wrong. It doesn't we, seem like it. Are we assuming this, this player to be or player to be named later is a West coast player due to the time? 
I so between myself and like Will Turner, who's been an absolute godsend this year, calling her a few other people. You're a little bit like a robot, have, Steve. Damn it, really? A little robotic, yeah. A little robotic. Is it my headset or is it? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe try without the headset. Yeah. yeah. Let me see. Hold on. Yeah. Give me a. I think, I, and I think they, you know, I think them bringing in a, a portal quarterback doesn't have really anything to do with what they think about um, Timmy going forward. But right. If he gets hurt, you got your next three would be true freshmen. Yeah, and that's 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 a tough tough sledding, right? And then you're right back where you were last year, where you're like, right, we're gonna play a true freshman, so he gets his bumps out of the way, and because this team really offensively seems like it's a really good quarterback away from being really good. So, you to me, you'd want to have as many possibilities at that in case somebody gets hurt or something like that. So. Yeah, I would and imagine the, they would go get somebody else with a little the, experience. The really interesting thing that I maybe I just missed or just blocked it out because I don't, I'm not big into the recruiting. I love I love the spectacle of signing day, but I'm not going to go through the nitty gritty. But apparently, the NCAA passed a rule uh, this year that they can bring in quarterbacks for like one on one workouts, and they brought in both Gunner and Byram and uh, over the summer for him and Charlie Weiss Jr. to kind of see and and see and throw for him and uh that's that's pretty great they brought in 10 quarterbacks to throw for them and and to to sign two of them is is pretty great so uh that's been really interesting i know seth uh as steve's trying to figure out his internet for once hope you know knock on wood that it's not me next um you've you watched both gunner and and byram's uh film and, and yeah. you were a, a bit surprised uh in a good way about about both of their films, so kind of no, discuss I thought, what, yeah. what, what I thought they, they showed. Both, I thought they were both good players. The one thing that was surprising is everyone talked about um, Byron being a really good athlete, and then Gunner not being as good of an athlete. And you watch Gunner; the the, the Gunner is a good athlete as well. He's not, um, you know, he's not crazy. At least not Michael Vick, but he can he can run around. He's a run threat, and he can move in the pocket really well. I think they're both talented kids and they both seem to fit kind of what they want to do in terms of good decision makers running RPO and throwing the ball down the field. And and they mentioned that. And then we had somebody in here, uh, Bill said, you know, he mentioned the quick decision makers. And then it did seem at times that Timmy did struggle with some decision making last year in that RPO game. It's where it, and, but they, but they put a lot on him too. So like it's kind of, Hard to say say that you know maybe they put too much on it, but those guys kind of fit what they want to do, and they're both talented guys. Um, I know Steve's got to watch both of them, but um, I thought both those guys can play, but you don't really want them to come in and play as true freshmen. You just did that last year. You probably don't want to do that again when when you've got a window here with your linemen being back that I think you want mm-hmm. to try to take advantage of. Yeah, absolutely. And Steve, we're we're discussing the two quarterbacks in this class, and you know Seth was a. Uh, Pleasantly surprised at the athleticism that Gunnar Smith uh, showed. Uh, what you, I mean, you've you've been on these two guys for for a while. What what kind of in, what kind of uh, takeaways do you have for for them? And and what are you excited about? You know, the prospects of, of them coming in and, and being, you know, a, a centerpiece around the offense. You know, maybe in three years when Timmy's gone. Right. Do I sound better? First off. Yeah. So far. Okay. 
Perfect. No, that's good news. Starting off on the right foot. No, so I mean, you the way that Charlie Weiss Jr. was talking during his press conference today, he mentioned that they brought in I think like twelve quarterbacks uh, during like uh, different periods and everything like that over the summer, recruiting wise, and they took a long look at all of them. And I mean, they put Byron Brown and and Gunnar Smith as the two guys in this class, and they wanted for all the quarterbacks that they brought in. We don't know the I can speculate on the high school quarterbacks that I looked at, but um, you know, I think the 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 main kind of pivotal thing with Byron and Gunner is they do seem like they're two different style of quarterbacks. You know, I, not to throw throw face of the wind or anything, but I mean, Byron Brown kind of gives you that idea that he's like a more mobile running quarterback, and he has the stats that back it up. And then you have Gunner, who, if you look at his stats, I mean, I, I think he had like negative like twenty yards rushing this past year or something like that for the entire season because he got sacked so many times. Um, but you kind of get the indication that one of them is a pocket passer and then one of them is a dual threat. But really, both of them are kind of very similar. They run an RPO style of offense out of high school. They both are, are very mobile quarterbacks that, you know, love to get out of the pocket and keep their eyes downfield and will run when necessary. But, I mean, ultimately, I think with Byron Brown, you're getting kind of a taller version of, of Timmy uh, sitting at six foot four. And with Gunner, you kind of have not to, you know, again, sound a little weird or anything, but he does remind me a lot of Cade Fortin. You know, he he quick decision maker, throws the ball on a, on a on a rope when he needs to, will will run when he needs to. But you know, I, I think both of those guys are going to be serviceable backups in the future. Uh, I think it's going to bring out some good competition between the two of them too. You know, one of them is going to be QB two, the other one's going to be QB three, and I think neither one of them want to be QB three at that point. So. Ultimately, I, I love the two quarterbacks we got here. Yeah, absolutely. all right. Everybody's feeling everybody's feeling positive. So let's go ahead and bring in Colin Sherwin. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I was not told about this, uh, so please I had do a, not feeling. Uh, oh. Do not take it out on me that Colin is in here on such a great positive night for USF football. Uh, as <laughs> you know, they turn around the program. Uh, finally, but Colin, I guess, I mean, on Twitter, you, you've been pretty, uh, uh, you, you've pissed in, in, in the punch bowl a little bit, but go ahead, man. You've got the floor, I guess. Okay. So first of all, today's a good day. USF got better today, which is all anybody wants to hear is the USF got better. I'm not complaining about that. I have an issue when people around this program including the head coach say things such as like, Oh, well, you know, we need to be more positive or we need to turn that frown upside down or, or some invective of that, you know, He's, but what he said, what he said was in fairness, he said that the positivity was helpful. Right. And, and that's fine. But when it's not help, so th- you got to take the inverse of that. Mm-hmm. So then when there's not positivity, when you, can't control the timeouts when you're not recruiting well, when you're blowing games that you should win, when you're making mistakes on the field, then then own up to that too. You know what I'm saying? It's like either ignore it completely, which I'm fine with. And and to be honest, no coach ever ignores it. They all read every freaking word. That, that's And that's not Jeff Scott. That's every coach. They'll all say, well, I don't read the papers. Yeah, Dan Mullen, you do. Um, so <laughs> like – so that just sort of bothers me whenever anybody asks or, or 
implies that like there's a, a any sort of that you know the the feeling of social media or the feeling of the fans has any implication on winning and losing. I I, I am uncomfortable with that. Um, he didn't say that he, at all though. I, that's I'm I'm <laughs> I'm 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 sort of gaming this out a little bit. I yeah. understand that. So I, I I freely admit I am not just talking about what was said on the surface <laughs> today. I am I am gaming this out multiple times because I've been down this road. Once or yeah. twice. Or, in, in, in all in all fairness to Colin here, he, he's right. He, he's right in, in the aspect of like the, the the positivity on social media is great, and the the positive stuff around the the program that's been going on with the indoor performance facility, the on campus safety, it's all fantastic. It is all exactly what needs to happen. But at the end of the day, we can and Colin, you said it. We can sign the number one recruiting class in the country. Bar none, but if we don't win football games, none of that matters. And, right. and that's where, and that's where you know, for another day, you know, we'll we'll go into the, the game management and all those issues. But I, I think, I, I think for right now, at least, you know, <laughs> we can we can put aside the, uh, the 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 game management issues and say, yeah, I didn't say, <laughs> I did not say a word about game management. I did I not put, say I put words in your mouth. I apologize. You absolutely did, and I intentionally <laughs> didn't say a word about game management um, because that's a whole other ball of wax, and that's separate from. But today, for me, today was not like today is not like some. If you consider coaching holistically, we sort of went into today with like a sixty-five average, and today was the final. We got 95 on the final. So right now we're, we got like a C in the class. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? Like C's get degrees, baby. Let's go. I've got a diploma to prove it, brother. And to me, a C is a bowl game at USF. And, and I, to a C bowl game, I'm in, take it, ship it all. Like Mm -hmm. at this point, that's kind of what USF needs. Um, So yeah, I, I, but to me, like, if this didn't happen today, well, what the hell are you, what, what have they been doing? It's not like players are getting better. It's not like we're finding ways to win games. We're not, you know, improving. This had to happen. This isn't like a, oh, this is great. We've gone above and beyond. To me, this was like, you had to do this today. Because if you didn't do this today, you're in real, real, real deep shit. So, uh, absolutely. And that's sort of what you know, I think Jeff Scott, uh, I, I mean, Steve and Seth and I, we've kind of been on this, you know, all season. He understands what was wrong and he, he needed, he knew he needed to adjust and, and address the issues. I think going into this past off season, I didn't think, I don't think he thought all of those guys were going to come back. All of those defensive linemen. That's why you had two guys who had a gray shirt because they ran out of spots for them. And, you know, God bless Jeff Scott and the staff for keeping their word because, man, keep putting two guys on ice at a position of, of desperate need is it, it's a really tough call to make. And those guys could have gone elsewhere with with their talents, but they stay true and USF stay true. And that's that's the culture building that needs to start happening. And Jeff Scott was very adamant about that today he he was like you know i i'm happy going into work now because these kids these are good kids the culture is there and he, he you know he basically said you know that first year was really not fun because guess what 
the, the culture fit wasn't right. And he's starting to fix that and realize that. And I think his comment today about the power of positivity, the, the, the positive mindset or the fans, I took it as more of a bigger shot against the, those guys in Oviedo than anything else. I think he was playing it, playing it up just a little bit because everyone watching this, all four of us on this chat know exactly what he's referring to with the, the Dylan Gabriel transfer news and uh, the stuff that happened at Florida State with uh, what Travis Hunter uh, tra- uh, committing to Jackson State instead of going to Florida State, having that Twitter spaces of Florida State just fire Mike Novell, what, 12 hours after hours. announcing the extension? That I mean, he just got fired way, in Mike Norvell chat. That was the, I, that was, I, look, I, you know how we used to all ingest uh, uh, fine bomb the day after an Alabama loss? And oh, you yeah, get this absolutely. like little cockles of your heart would like just sort of go, oh, this is why I love college football. Um, that was that, that Twitter spaces today. That was one of the most glorious things I've ever heard on the internet. It was just, I, I the, I mean, it's phenomenal. It was like Schadenfreude in like powder form. <laughs> it was right away. Uh, I mean, the, I think truly the best part about it is whenever someone had to speak, they had to say, "Hey, fire Mark Nor- Mike Norvell," before they yeah, were allowed I, to talk. And if and they didn't, they, they were not allowed to talk. Yeah. They ran him out of the gym. That was fantastic. So, and, I, so that's that's. I think that's where those comments are coming from. More than you know, hey, I'm so glad you guys are so positive and happy about a two win team. It's it kind of could be a little bit worse you know on field results aside the the culture and the program building is there the foundation is there and colin you and i have heard the horror stories from the charlie strong era and what they had to rebuild and it's going in the right direction so i don't want to put too much stock into you know him just kind of you know, pissing on people's leg and calling it rain. It, it, like this is a real thing that needs this that needed to happen, and it is happening. But I don't, I don't think, I don't know if the analogy works totally. I understand what you're saying, but I also this is not really the final exam. This is really like the first exam for the next class, right? Because this is really the first step for the next season. So I, I think they passed this one with a really good grade, and now you're hoping you don't just coast and just do just enough to pass, which would be, you know, winning a few more games next year. Hopefully you stay in it, but you set yourself up in a good situation for next year. Obviously you have to finish, but I I think this is more like the start than the end. So they did a good job. They addressed most of their needs. We're still talking. We still think they need a quarterback in the portal because you can't run out of true freshmen to get a quarterback. Um, They're still looking for guys in the line of scrimmage. I think on both sides. So they're feeling needs. I think the most important thing, and you see this pretty much everywhere, is you need the best players you can get. It's all about players. It's all about talent. So they went out and got a lot of players that have played games, and this was kind of their vision. We heard it weeks ago from, I think, Will Turner. had kind of he'd spoken with people in there, but really the, the goal for this year was to sign guys that had been in college for three years, that still had at least three years of eligibility left. So you're getting guys that's really, I thought it was really smart to take advantage of the free COVID year, take advantage of red shirt years and get a kind of a unique opportunity where you can get these guys that have all this experience, but still have so much left to give. So I, I think this is the, this is the, the most important step to being good. Like you don't have to manage in the clock game situations. If you're winning by 20 points. 
Oh yeah, but that, so, like that, like that. <laughs> let's say let's settle down here. They did a good. <laughs> they did a good job today. You start blowing out conference games by twenty, then I'll I'll feel. We'll we'll get to that. We'll cross is, that bridge. Is Temple on the schedule again? Temple's going to be bad, but ECU. I'm, uh, I'm just saying. So, uh, I I am encouraged. Uh, I think that today was a, a, a day that's a step forward. But I am very protective of what this fan base has been through. Guard the heart. And I, yeah, and, and I think that that's fair. <laughs> you know. We have been told that we are being that we are eating chicken salad that is chicken shit for 20 years now. And we have always been told that, oh, no, no, we'll get it or it'll be right. Or if we just do this or if that just that, or if, if or, you know, it's fine. We're in the Big East. Like, I mean, there's 900 other permutations of this. And so I I get a little hesitant about that. And and obviously I had my concerns about things that happened during the season last year. But look, man, I was never I you have never heard me say we got to fire Jeff Scott no. because this today is why you keep him because you need this is exactly what needed to happen. Sonny Dyke showed the path forward and that's what USF's path should be. You know, bring the kids back. Let them go. Let them try. You know, you miss home, mom's home cooking some five stars in front of you at your position. You hate the snow. I don't give a shit why you're you're coming home, mm. but come but come home and and be a part of something at, at a program that is finally that alignment thing that we talk about, where you have an incoming president who will be aligned, a board that's aligned, an athletic director that's aligned, and a head coach that's aligned. And we haven't had that before, but I. Because of past trauma, that I get a little skeptical when I hear things like that. And that's all fine. valid. Yeah. And, 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 and that's all I'm saying. Today's a win. Okay. Today's 100% a win. Now, for me, the baseline for this upcoming season, it's a tough schedule. Like, there's no doubt. Next, next year's tough. But for me, a baseline for next season is a bowl game. And I don't think that's unreasonable. I don't think so either. I don't think so either. Um, you know, I, I think I said it uh, Saturday, the Saturday after the game, if not uh, after the game, uh, Black Friday, this team can win six games. And we talked about it on the podcast, I think it was last week, that if they were just bad on defense, not god awful, they win five games and maybe sneak in a sixth one. Like there is talent on this roster that was not utilized properly. I think that is more than fair to say. And Hearing Bob Shoup talk today was a real step in the right direction. It was, Colin, if you haven't heard it, it was real fucking refreshing to hear him talk. Uh, Like, not, I wouldn't say Tom Allen vibes. Easy, sir. That's why I said I would, listen, are you listening? (laughs) Open your ears. I like I said I wouldn't. You invoke say the Lord's Tom- name. You invoke the Lord's name. That might be blasphemy. I jump. I jump in front of that. Tra- and by the way, that team went two and nine, two and ten this year. They were two and ten this year, and I'd hire that guy tomorrow. But anyway, guys. absolutely. And <laughs> I, I, like, I wouldn't say Tom Allen vibes, but it's better than what the previous defensive coordinators have brought outside of 
Brian Jean-Marie, who I adore and love, and I think he's doing a fantastic job as a linebackers coach in Tennessee, and, and their defense was actually pretty good this year, uh, given everything that. else going on. So that's – yeah. That, no, I agree. I, I think they're moving. In, I think they're moving in the right direction. I think today is positive, um, but we we crossed the Rubicon when four teams left this league and we weren't one of them. That's it. You don't get the benefit of the doubt anymore. You don't get the rah rah nice nice anymore. I'm sorry, and that's not fair to Jeff Scott, but he needs to understand why. That is what it is. And it's not fair to Michael Kelly, but he needs to understand why that is what it is. You don't get the benefit of the doubt anymore. You got to win games. I think he knows that, though, because you look and see what's interesting to me about this class. I mentioned the kind of the three guys that have been in, but he basically the biggest thing that hurts coaches early on in their tenure and, and, and since the early signing days, that first class, once you get hired, you don't really put together great class. There's typically a ton of attrition. Going out and getting the transfers the way he does, he's yeah. basically replaced that first early signing day class with a bunch of guys that have played in college already. And he's kind of getting the similar terms of eligible and similar eligibility for them. So I think that's interesting. And you know that he realizes he's got to win soon because of how deep they went into the portal. You could have tried. Like there's, a, there's, you know, some there's some possibility to the theory and some, it makes sense that, okay, if everybody's going to be in the portal, that means we can get better high school kids because they're going to be stuck waiting for the portal. So we'll just stick and we'll go really hard on the high school kids, but high school. No, kids get time to no, that, that would have been the wrong move. No, that's why I really, so that's like what I'm saying. I think he yeah, understands yeah. that like he's got to have results. You, you can be yeah. positive. He, he knows that, I think he understands the fan base understands that he started kind of, uh, you know, he was in a tough situation before COVID. And then once that happened, it made it even tougher. So I think he, the fan base understands that, but he also understands that he's got to win next year because you can't just, you, the the good vibes don't last through, you know, four wins in three years. He, right. he understands three he's, got, he's got to go. So I, I think this class shows that he understands that. Three and nine in year four. Ain't good. It's just that's untenable. Oh, so. absolutely. Like that's that that'll be completely unacceptable. And it, frankly, I think five wins would be a borderline unacceptable too. There's too much talent on this offensive side of the ball with the guys that are, they're You're bringing free, in. We'll 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 get we'll get to the guys that they're bringing in. But the guys that are already st- like they're still here. You know, Xavier Weaver, Jimmy Horn, uh, Chris Carter, Holden, Holden Willis showed flashes. Both of them. The running back room. There's too much talent. To You're be every start on the offensive line, I think. Yeah, yeah. But, there's too much I, talent to be stagnant on offense again. So the the offensive line thing, and Seth, I actually want to hear you discuss mm. this. So we have talked about how they're returning all of the probably more starts on the offensive line than maybe any other team in D1. Mm-hmm. Like they're at that level. Um, but is that? I'm not going to knock the kids that are here. And they're definitely not like replacement level. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that, but like, is this, excuse me, is this just sort of like bringing back kids that are sort of, you know, flatlined or is this, I don't, I don't know if they're, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if these trains, they, cause they brought in a couple pretty big transfers. I wouldn't be shocked if one of those guys is starting next year. 
uh, you know, just based on their pedigree and, and what, you know, what you see, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, but when, you know, these guys have played together, there's some familiarity. I don't think they're terrible. I think they've gotten better each year. And with it, I think there's a little bit of a perception issue just because a lot of them had to play when they were really young and right. First impressions always kind of last long. So your first impression of the fan base for some of these guys is when they had to go in when they probably weren't quite ready. Um, but they've gotten better the last two years. I think their offensive line coach is really good. I know just doing stuff on the Florida side, you've had people that kind of would wish Florida would hire him when they were when they'd fire Hevesy. There were some guys that thought he would be a great addition at Florida. So, you know, I, I think they're getting better, but I, I just don't know, you know. I wouldn't be shocked if one of these guys came in and got playing time because I still don't think it's totally locked down at every position. There's still room for improvement. But the the key, I think, with this class is not necessarily guys are going to come in and replace everybody, but you have increased competition and you have a better depth. So if something happens, you don't have as big of a drop off. So, yeah. And, but that's, and that's always going to be the problem. The group of five is that depth is always the challenge. You know, the, the difference between the P five and the G five, isn't always the first string. It's, it's that, it's that first wave. You know, it's why you can, a G five has a better chance probably in week two than they do in week 12. Um, so yeah, but anyway, I'm going to let you, you guys have studied this class more intensively than I have. I am just reading your coverage. I provide no insight on that level. So I will get out of your way. But like, I, I just, I, I have mixed emotions here. One is that obviously today is a good day and a win for USF football and a win for the program and a win for a lot of things going forward. Um, you just don't want people to think this is the destination. You want them to realize yeah. it's just, a, it's just another step. It is just another step on the way. And, you know, yeah, because I haven't seen a lot in 22 games so far um, from this team under Jeff Scott, where I feel like they're, you know, getting better. You see flashes, but like I haven't seen consistently better. Um, but the defense, the only time I ever saw better was the defense at, at in Oviedo. You know, I think they were definitely better than they were the other 11 games. So that was good. Um, but it, I'm just, I'm hesitant here and you know, I don't think that's unjustified considering the history of where we are as a program. But again, there's reasons to be very optimistic. There's a shovel in the ground. BJ Daniels is tweeting out, you know, pictures of him out working out on the fields while there's shovels in the ground and people are building an indoor practice facility. Um, More money coming into the program. And yeah, that $1.5 million for the softball stadium, that helps football too. And I hope people realize that is that those are, now you can move out of Selman, your softball team and your baseball team. And now that's even more room for facilities for the football team so that the Selman center becomes more football, you know, until they get everything finished up and running um, more space, more, you know, th- there's a lot of good stuff happening. How the fact that they're raising this much in major gifts now, when we suck, when we're in the middle of a pandemic, when, there are crises all over. The fact that we're raising major, major gifts now as an athletic department is a massive testament and leap forward than what it was. Um, so there are certainly reasons to be optimistic. But I, fans are going to say whatever fans are going to say, and USF fans have the right to say basically anything within reason. Sorry, and so you know. Anyway, and as long as per- and as long as it's not personal, and go Jeff Scott and that video with uh, a Joe and Joe in Savannah, 
is adorable. Okay. Oh, it's fantastic. And I wanted Joe and Joe to like come, like we, we need to like pony up somebody NIL and as part of his NIL rights, he can sing a TDS commercial and we'll put it out there. Like (laughs) I'm all in whatever we got to do. That's awesome. I, I love that kind of stuff, but like, let's all, yeah, I'm done. And that was a uh, daily stampede, wet blanket, emeritus. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on to, to really ruin things for us. Uh, so let's, before we were uh, rudely interrupted by uh, just a complete wet blanket there, I wanted to get into some of the playmakers that these two quarterbacks are, are coming in with. And it's, it's a cavalcade of stars, no matter what Colin says. Uh, these are some really top-notch guys coming in. So you've got – I'm just going to go through them, and then we can kind of discuss them. We, we've got Clemson transfer uh, Mikey Dukes. We've got uh, running back uh, uh, Jason Albritton, you know, the, the lunch pill guy. Big-time lunch, lunch pill work Every day. Every quicker single day. Than, quicker than fast. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We've got tight end Jason Littlejohn from California, uh, one of the top JUCO guys, I believe, uh, at, the, at the position. I think he was the fifth-ranked JUCO tight end coming out of uh, what College of the Sequoias, I believe. Yep. Um, Cade Roberts, uh, another lunch pail guy, right? Uh, we've got uh, Coffrey Brown from uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and, uh, another North Carolina guy coming in as wide receiver. Uh, a, a Joe a Joe, uh, Clemson. Uh, receiver who's uh, six six three, two hundred and twenty pounds. That's just a that's a big hulking man. And then uh, we've got the ginger warrior Jackson Long coming from Hendersonville, uh, Tennessee, six four, two sixteen. Uh, you know one of the one of the surpri- I guess surprises uh, of the class. Uh, you know the last two of JoJo and and Jackson Long. Um, I think I, I touched on everyone in the obviously the, the two offensive linemen and, and Mike Lofton and, and Darrell Bailey, but there's some really talented playmakers coming in with this class to help solidify the the court the the wide receiver room, the running back room. Um, Steve, I think I think you put it out there. I think there's going to be what 13 scholarship wide receivers in in the room. Uh, how are we gonna get the ball to them? Who who uh, who who excites you most about this group, and uh, where do they kind of fit in? Uh, you know, in, in that receivers room, right? Yeah, and there's actually one more, uh, Javon Thomas, uh, the Sickles uh, wide receiver and point guard. Who's uh, I? I just always think I, about him as a basketball player, but yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know I don't, what he's gonna do. Really. I, I don't know what he's gonna do either. No, I hope he does both. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the 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 big thing about I mean, there's twelve or thirteen wide receivers depending on which way you spin the the Holden Willis dice of uh is he a tight is he gonna go back to being tight end or is he gonna be an outside receiver? Because Dukes uh, is Dukes is being considered a running back, right? After we yeah. thought he was gonna be a slot receiver. So I think if if I'm following the lineage correctly of what they're trying to do, um Darian Felix and Brian Batie were both basically like running back, slot receiver, put the ball in their hands in space and kind of let them go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's what they're bringing in with Mikey Dukes as well. Um, I mean, like, yeah, Brian Batiste is a running back, but you can kind of put him anywhere. You can put him in slot. You can put him on outside, put him on a tunnel screen or whatever, put the ball in his hand and, and, and watch the kid fly, basically. And I think that's what you're getting when you have Mikey Dukes and Brian Batiste as options there. Um, but, I mean, you you added from, – from these skill positions, you added – 
you added immediate size with guys like Jason Little John, like Ajo, Ajo, um, you and Jackson Long is no you know scrawny kid either. You brought speed with Choffrey Brown and, and Mikey Dukes. Um, you kind of <laughs> fixed all of the big issues we had last year, where it was Xavier Weaver, and occasionally you saw Demarcus Gregory. Um, but you know, I, I think now you're. Oh. Seeks muted. Oh man, you know, okay. I, see, he was. I, I think you know. You, I thought the skill positions were kind of a strong suit before, kind of this signing day, and now they've really just added a ton of depth. We've seen that they like to rotate guys in, much to uh, a Jimmy Horn fan's chagrin. Sometimes when he's not in the game, it doesn't. That, but they like to rotate guys, so. Depth is not going to be, you know, if they want to go fast, well, now they definitely got the depth to do it. So, you know, I, I, I thought this was kind of their strongest, their strongest positions were the offensive skill group, and they just kind of strengthened those and just the depth's even better now. Steve, are you back? I am back. I killed it. We're all good. All right, finish your thought. Um, so, yeah, and then <laughs> not to be uh, not to be like outdone by anything, but uh, Cade Roberts is is a sneaky guy that is going to find his way onto the field quite a bit uh, for USF these this upcoming year. I feel like he's kind of a. Uh, I mean, if there was anyone that had you know catching hands problems or anything, I mean, Cade caught literally everything thrown his way. He had two hundred and fifty four catches in, in high school. That's a Florida school high school record for receptions in a career. So like the, the, the skill position, there's no excuse for this team not to put up like 30 points a game next year is essentially what I'm saying. Yeah. You, you hope that kind of the offensive line, the depth improves that competition improves. So they just get continue to get better under coach Mo. And then I th- it's really going to be, I think come down to quarterback play. So if you can tailor the offense to fit Timmy a little bit better than this year and, and kind of give him, you know, make it easier on him because he, he's still a young guy. So make it easier on him. Use all right. these skill guys. You don't have to, you don't have to get crazy. Just get the ball in space to these dudes. You got a bunch of guys that can make plays. Now you got a lot of explosive players. You don't have to ski. You don't have to be so crazy schematically. Mm-hmm. You've got a bunch of guys that can win one-on-one. So get these guys in one-on-one situations, let them win, make it easy, easy decisions for the quarterback. And that's, you know, that's kind of your, uh, that's kind of what you got to do. But I think it is going to come down to the quarterback. So you, you got to make it easy on him and, and tailor the offense to him. Right. And I think that's what you can do. And you and I have talked about it extensively is, you know, make, make the call uh, to, you know, a fellow offensive coordinator in the game steal a little bit of the playbooks that they may have because not that the, the RPO style doesn't work or anything. Cause it, it definitely has a, has its, its moments in the game. And, you know, we saw it with the Jimmy Horn touchdown in, in Cincinnati. I mean, it, when, when Timmy's comfortable on that, on that RPO read, I mean, he hits it, but you also need to expand that playbook where you can put those skill players in really good positions to, to exceed because you don't bring a guy in like, Ajo Ajo to run RPOs or, or or Choffrey Brown to run RPO, you know, curls and hitches and everything like that. 
I think we're going to see uh, an offense that's more dynamic, but less complex and less like, you know, quick split second decision making. You know, I, I think giving, giving Timmy the opportunity to, you know, scramble around and give him time and let the routes develop is the best thing for him. Yeah, if somebody's going to play you one on one, which the way USF runs the ball and ran the ball this year, you started to see a bunch of loaded boxes, especially towards the end of the year. It's okay to just call a shot one on one. If you got one on one coverage and you've got a guy out there that you trust at receiver, that's a winning play. Right. If you've got an animal out there that's 6'4, 220 pounds that can run, it's all right. You can call a couple go routes for him. We won't get too upset. You can, you can, if they both are incomplete, that's okay. Those are two shots w- worth taking, though. I, I thought last year they, they had chances where they had guys, you had one on ones. They didn't just really take shots. Like you said, it was more like, let's just keep running the RPO, which, you know, works in theory. Theoretically, it works every time. 60% of the time, it works every time. But you can also just take those shots out there one-on-one and just let those guys go get it. Right. There is something to that as well. Now, uh, I think the thing kind of glossed, I mean, not glossed over, but uh, something that came out tonight uh, during Jeff Scott's press conferences, Ernie Sims is now technically co-defensive coordinator uh, after his performance, uh, you know, in the five days uh, leading up to Black Friday and that Black Friday performance from the the uh, defensive side of the ball. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense now that uh, he did not take the FSU linebacker job. I think he was uh highly highly sought after and uh for jeff scott for uh, you know this is a ever-changing uh game and and bob shoop said it kind of said it best you know assistant coaches are, are basically independent contractors for the most part as he was discussing his time as a head coach at columbia uh in the mid-2000s and yeah you know that's what assistant coaches are they're independent contractors who you know if they get a better offer that's what they're going to do they're going to try to take it so keeping the defensive staff intact with Daquan Bowers with Ernie Sims is, is going to be huge. And I think, you know, we saw today, you know, losing Glenn Spencer didn't really do much if at any, if anything at all. And, you know, Ernie Sims was vital, like absolutely vital in getting, uh, Oh God, what's it? The linebacker Deontay Hunter, Deontay Hunter um, from what? South Carolina, right? Um, Valdosta. Oh, well, Valdosta, Georgia. Yeah, Valdosta, right, right. Jalen Schuler's from South Carolina. There it is. So uh, he was pretty vital in getting him uh, to Tampa, and it was kind of a late offer. It was uh, – they didn't find out until last night that he was going to be uh, committing and, and signing with with USF. So it was a it was a big thing for, for the Bulls to be able to keep Ernie Sims in Tampa because I think he's going to be a dude in the coaching world very very soon and it's someone you want to have on staff right now as you're kind of rebuilding this defense getting this program back to uh, not where it was but at least back to bowl eligibility and it starts with having good position coaches who know how to recruit and that's exactly what Ernie Sims and that staff did uh you know leading up to uh today and and we talked about it last week with Sims that you know Shoop was a guy that was coming in that we thought would be kind of a guy that possibly maybe he's coming in for a short term to kind of mentor Ernie Sims and kind of bring him into that role. They kind of went ahead and just did it, but I think it's kind of going to be the same thing. And I think he even mentioned 
either Coach Scott or Coach Shoot mentioned today coming in as a mentor to the younger coach because they got a bunch of young defensive coaches coming in as kind of a mentor to them, helping them come along in their coaching careers. And that, that's something we talked about last week when discussing the hire. Um, so it, you, you kind of see that coming to fruition. And like you said, I, I the, the linebacker they pulled, the hunter, I, I thought his tape was some of the best in the entire class, including the transfers. I really, really liked him. He's explosive and it's really like long, super long arms. You see him like when they show the end zone view and you see him in his stance. I mean, he could like tie his shoes without bending over just about. Um, he's really, really, really long armed kid, really explosive. I think he'll turn into a really good player. So if Sims was kind of the lead, the primary recruiter on that one, that's a great job closing that because I think that kid's going to be really good. Mm-hmm. Any questions for, from the audience that that we can take? You know, this is, you know, the, this big signing day extravaganza. I will say a shout out to women's basketball for uh, knocking off Stetson, uh, I believe, 69 to 50 today uh, in the, the education game. You know, they brought a lot of kids and teachers uh, to the game for that 11 a.m. tip. That's that's an early tip off for for a lot of folks. Uh, so uh, shout out to Jose and, and the crew for for doing that, and they're up to 16th in the, the AP poll as well. So uh, you know, any anything that kind of stands out uh, that we need to uh, really kind of discuss. I, if you guys haven't, I'll say this: if you guys haven't watched the the press conference from today, I, I advise you to take some time to watch it. Uh, a lot of great information on it. Um, Bob Shoup did a lot uh, in that press conference to uh, calm calm nerves and kind of get you a little bit excited about what the potential for this defense is. And he really reiterated the fact that he's going to scheme around his guys and figure out the best way to get them to be successful. And it's not, it's not always about scheme. It's about getting the, the guys in the position to make plays. So that was pretty refreshing as well. I, I thought um, one interesting thing, I, I think if you're looking for recruiting information, Scott's um, press conference was great. A lot of information on his thought process and, and kind of the, but if you kind of really want to see, you can almost cut them in half. Shoop did a really good job. Like you said, he's a really smart guy. Um, and, and that comes through. He was actually had media availability when he was an analyst in Miami, which I think is really rare. But you could tell why, because he's really smart and, and can kind of um, sell you on his vision and what's happening and, and kind of sell it in a way that you, okay, that makes sense. So they probably needed that a little bit last year in Miami when they were struggling at times. So, But I, I thought the most interesting thing I thought from his little, you know, his kind of portion of the press conference was talking about, different situations where he's had to come in and take over. He mentioned being at William and Mary where they were really poor on defense. Uh, I, I, that was one, you know, I, you just see William and Mary, but you don't really go do a lot of investigation into the circumstances when he took over. So seeing that they were poor on defense, a few years later, number one, and then, you know, they got going a little bit. Um, and then to kind of see his acknowledgement of some other places he went where he talked about Vanderbilt as well, kind of a similar thing. They were top 20 in defense every year coming into Vanderbilt that's not very, you know, obviously doesn't have a great pedigree, a great history, but they came in and won there with uh, James Franklin. Then he acknowledged Penn State, he had a good defense. He acknowledged when he went to Mississippi State, he had a really good defense of senior guys who was ready to go. So he wasn't 
Um, he also showed a little humility in that, not just saying, yeah, I went there with the number one defense because I was that good. He kind of acknowledged that, yeah, we had three first-round picks on the defense at Mississippi State, so, yeah, we were pretty good. But just hearing his other stops I thought was really interesting and kind of, you know, what happened behind those and the results and and what kind of similarities to this situation there were. So I thought it was a really good listen, like you said, Nate, but that was one thing that was really interesting to me. Yeah, agreed. And I think last week we kind of discussed, uh, you know, Bob Shoot being being the fixer, right? Even if, if he's here for a year, two years, of being the fixer uh, of this defense is priority number one. I think he's the. I think he can do it. Um, I'm excited to see kind of what the spring looks like, how the defense kind of shapes up. Um, Jeff Scott, you know, didn't give away too much, but he did say there's going to be a lot of four down linemen, which. You know, we've all been clamoring for uh, for a while. So I think getting getting, you know, more depth along the defensive line as they address today and uh, going after going in through spring and then figuring out who they can pull from the transfer portal as well uh, will definitely help and go a long way for them. Because I do think they're they're probably an edge rusher or two away from being really confident uh, about this defensive line uh, unit. Um and see, I want to ask you this real quick. Uh, Tony Newsom uh, from West Orange. What What's going on with him? <laughs> Good question. Um, we don't know. Uh, so i I don't want to I don't want to speculate too entirely much on what's happened there. Um, he did sign today at, at West Orange with the rest of his teammates and everything. Um, whether that was a piece of uh, NLI paper or a blank piece of paper uh, is, is to be seen, to be known. Um, I if One of two things has happened, essentially. One, um, he's going to be signing in February as like a kind of needs a little bit more time, either academically or final grades, or maybe like a scholarship spot needs to open or they're waiting for a certain domino to fall there, or they're going to potentially gray shirt him, let him kind of do a, a full year of workout and, and bulk up a little bit more without putting him on scholarship. Um, and, and then bring him in, in the 2023 cycle, uh, very kind of similar to what they did with Jacquez Williams and Jalen Hobbs. I would probably, and again, I'm speculating here. I would probably say that they're probably going to gray shirt him. Um, you know, and all in good faith to, you know, bring him on the cycle next year, not to say he, he couldn't be a contributor or not to say that he, he's, you know, not going to make it to campus or anything. Uh, but he is a little bit undersized. And I think they're wanting to bring in guys that can have a more immediate impact on this class rather than, um, you know, rather than, you know, giving Tony a, a scholarship spot right away. They usually will do like part-time enrollment at USF. They'll get, you know, workouts and updates through AJR tests and they'll kind of go from there. Uh, but that's just my complete speculation on things. <clears throat> Fair enough. I know. Uh, I think there were some questions there because what his Eddie Kelly is a, a teammate of his, and he signed. And um, right, they're, they're Eddie really Kelly close too. Yeah, they're like Ed, they're like Biffles. Yeah. Yep. They they so, signed together. So that that's going to be interesting how they how they handle that. Um, I think. Uh, Put putting all of you uh, on the spot right now, uh, Seth and Steeg. Uh, who is the one guy who will make an immediate impact on this team in 2022 from this signing class right now? 
as it as it currently stands. I'll let Steve go first. DJ Gordon. <laughs> DJ Gordon. He'll be. He'll. He'll. He's going to come in and. I mean, they brought like Jeff Scott wanted them so bad that he flew up to Minneapolis the day of he entering the, the transfer portal and got food with them and started talking about life and everything with them. So, yeah, I, w- I would say I put a lot of money on my basket that it's going to be DJ Gordon just about how bad that, you know, USF got a, or how bad Jeff Scott wanted them. Okay. Yeah, I think it's going to be a guy on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think that's a bad one. Um, you know, I also think the Schuler, the Juco linebacker, I, th- I think one of those guys could have a big impact. And then up front, I think Pender might be a guy. Um, obviously, really highly rated coming out of high school. Seems to be a guy that uh, they wanted pretty badly to get him back in his home area. So I, I think he's a guy that you'd imagine he's going to be playing quite a bit. Um, so I, I would think Pender, it's going to, I think the biggest impact guys going to be on defense because they have some guys that can play on offense already. I don't think they're going to change the ceiling that much unless they bring in some kind of stud quarterback that comes in and plays. I think that would be the biggest impact if they brought mm-hmm. in uh, a guy there that would come in and play right away, but that doesn't look like that's their plan. So I think it's going to be one of the defensive guys that comes in and provides a spark immediately. And I would think the biggest place of impact would be up front kind of on the interior. So I, I would go with Pender, uh, you know, Ash, one of those guys, maybe Bags, one, one of those guys I think would probably be it. Yeah, uh, for me, I think it's going to be Nick Bags. Um, Jeff Scott said it uh, today as they were prepping for uh, that Temple game. Um, they cut on the film and was like, man, this freshman defense alignment is pretty good. And then uh, word gets out, I think, before, before the Temple game that uh, – he is in the portal, and then uh, they they go uh, talk to him, I think, almost immediately uh, once his name's in the portal. And looking – I know that the 247, you know, transfer ratings are a bit wonky because it's so early in that kind of process and how you adjust, uh, you know, the, the transfer ratings because, you, you know – conventional wisdom historically when you transfer there's a real reason why not just hey i didn't get much pt i I, you know there's usually a red flag associated with the transfer portal and i don't think quite necessarily that's the issue anymore for the majority of guys in the transfer portal but Nick Bags, among the transfers coming into usf is the only one who saw his transfer rating go up from his high school rating because he was pretty freaking effective at Temple through two games. It, it was two games, but he was very good uh, at Temple. I think he's going to have the, the most immediate impact, but I mean, you could sell me on anyone across the defensive line. James Ash, the Chamberlain uh, from Chamberlain, uh, Clyde Pender, as Seth, you mentioned, I mean, uh, Amaris Brown, the, the safety from Kansas State, you know, Ray Thornton, uh, literally, uh, it, it could be any one of these guys, but I think that the most immediate thing is probably going to be someone in, in the box. You know, you mentioned Gordon, Steve. My money is on net bags, um, but we, we'll, uh, we'll address that, you know, when the Daily Stampede group comes out and, you know, we end up being woefully wrong uh, as we were uh, this year. 
I'm ready to do it again. Yeah, I think the the one thing to consider when looking at transfer ratings and versus high school ratings, I think they're a little they're definitely a little more harsh on transfer ratings because I believe those are really based they seem to be based just purely on production. So if you were highly productive, because you'll see, you know, there was a I think a one double A kid that threw for like forty eight touchdowns and four thousand plus yards, and he's top ten in the transfer portal rankings. So it's not necessary. And then, you know, I think high school rankings are obviously more f- based on physical elements and some projection, but a lot of it is, are you big and strong? Are you fast? Like when, if you're big, strong and fast, you're going to be way up there. So that it makes sense, I think, but if you can kind of look at their high school rankings as well and get a sense, okay, this is a guy with a lot of like penders, like a four star, like a, a pretty <clears throat> four, like middle of the road, four star. So, He's got. He's obviously got the physical talent. The production wasn't didn't quite match the talent in North Carolina. Why was that? We'll find out. But that's why his rating dropped a little bit. I think Bags. Right. He had a really. He was really productive in the limited time he played. So I. I think that would go to say, okay, maybe he's better than we thought he was. He's kind of better than physically than we thought he was. And it also can depend, I think, on where where you go to high school, because I, th- I think. Kids in certain states get rated a little bit, maybe a little bit higher because they get they see them more, see them play more. So that could also be part of it. But I think look at the transfer rankings, look at their high school rankings. It's kind of somewhere in between. Um, but you got to feel pretty good about what you brought in. And is yeah. it still the number one, still the number one transfer class, Steve? Yep. It, it is as of right now. And that is absolutely going to change. Um, Michigan State's probably – gonna leap us here at one point um just because they're i mean they they run it like two like absolute studs uh of a uh <laughs> of, of, of like the four guys they brought in two of them are just like absolute stud athletes so it, it's gonna change just because the recruiting or the transfer rankings are wonky i mean like Darrell bailey's like a eight zero or something like that on the rankings because he converted from defensive end to offensive line so, you know, I, I'm not going to put much stock into what the transfer ratings are. I know I've mentioned them in, in the post, but they're there for someone to just arbitrarily have metrics to rank these people. I, I think it's really production because you see the guys that are like the top 10, it's like six quarterbacks and, I mean, they put and a couple running years. backs that have played re- really well. Well, he was right. just like, they thought he was like the high, well, the second highest rated recruit of all time, I think. So, yeah, and like, and you don't ding him at all for not playing at Ohio State, but well, he, he like showed up three weeks into camp, so like he's yeah, he has some weird extenuating circumstances, but yeah, I, I think I think for the most part, like you said, take him with a grain of salt, but you can kind of I think you can kind of get to where the rationale is, but look back at the high school if you want to get an idea of kind of the what this guy brings to the table physically, right. And exactly. I think that's kind of more important because if they got three, if they all got three years left to play, they've got time to get developed and coached up too. So mm-hmm. dude, that's the one thing they didn't bring in a bunch of guys that have one year to play. These guys have some time to play. They can come in and play, but they can get better too. So I think it's a really good job all around and really well thought out strategy and great execution of that strategy by coach Scott and staff. Yep. And they're and not all, done. And they're not done. At least, uh, you know, hopefully what you got until Friday to, to for the early signing period, it looks like there may be at least one more 
uh, in this early signing period, unless Daniel DePrado and the USF coaching staff is just absolutely trolling us until February, which would be just it's, incredibly it's rude. I think, I think the sticker would go bad, though, right? If you peel <laughs> yeah, that sticker off, the thing's going to go bad. You don't want to let it sit till February. Yeah, it's going to go bad. I think it's going to be tomorrow. Okay. I, I, I texted three people, and they're thinking tomorrow. Steve, your face is covered, but which quarterbacks are you most excited about? <laughs> um, honestly, uh, this, I'm going to go with the cop-out answer here. Um, Timmy. I, uh, no. I, I, I was reading everyone's, uh, you know, everyone's kind of, uh, estimation about Timmy and everything. And Seth and I have gone into great detail about it. And, you know, I, I think, I think we're going to get one of two things out of Timmy next year. We're either going to get the, the, the true freshman making leaps and bounds, uh, improvements going into year two, or we're going to get, you know, the, the guy that, you know, kind of, stay stagnant and doesn't breach his plateau while Matt Floyd or, you know, whomever else. So I, and, and just hearing the things I hear about Timmy, how much a hard worker he is, you know, he, he's a real lunch pail. Take your, uh, take your lunch to work kind of guy, blue collar loves to work, you know, all those things. I, uh, I, I, <laughs> I know Eric, you said today, um, <laughs> I just read that. Sorry. I thought you said, which QB are you most excited for after today? Um, <laughs> I thought it said after from my bad today from today uh, Byron Brown. Um, I, I think he's a he's a guy that if he didn't commit so early, he probably gets offers from like North Carolina, NC State. Like he'd have been you know pulling in those Power Five offers. I mean, he destroyed the the North Carolina circuit as far as uh, putting up yards and stats goes. Because we've got a lot of grit. Yeah. So, so the guys on this team, Alex. We just they love to work. Figure it out. Uh here here's one. Steve, I think you'll you've put some thought into this. Oh, I, I saw this one as the uh hold on. Yeah, uh I'm I'm too low on the totem pole, but um they uh the food that Baller post about Baylor posted when he was in Memphis. Uh, that was that was probably the best thing. Was it the barbecue? Uh, the, it was the barbecue. But the Prado's best food was the In and Out, which I'm very excited to get In and Out because I'm going out there uh, in January. So yeah. the first meal I'm going to have is I've heard is it's overrated. It's five guys. The fries are trash. The the In and Out burger, like the the fries are absolutely trash. Um, the burger is fine. Don't get it animal style. It ruined it for me. Don't get an animal style. Okay. Don't okay. get animal style. Let's just just do just do a regular old uh, double double and whatever toppings you want on it. But don't. I think animal style is overrated. I think the fries are terrible. Um, oh, but that's great. That, that's about it. Other than that, it's perfect. I love it. It's very cheap, which is great, uh, especially, exactly. you know, when you're I, I had it uh, what two weeks ago when we were in Vegas. So having a cheap meal in Vegas was uh, came came in handy. I'll tell you what. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to like literally I told Paige, I was like, getting off the plane. That's the first place we're going is, is to get it. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So. I mean, yeah. just go to water. Just go to a water burger. 
That's what you're doing. My my terrible Whataburger story from from Houston, where I, I they were like, it was like eleven forty five at night, and they closed at like midnight, and uh, they gave me number sixty eight as like my little call number, and I asked them for number sixty nine instead as like a joke, and the guy like legitimately for like three minutes was like searching for it in his stack, um, but I'm gonna <laughs> just assume that someone stole it, and I was like I was like standing there awkward, I was like you don't have to look for it, <laughs> like I was just joking. Well, Alex asks, what's my favorite cheap meal? Ooh, um, I don't know. I mean, nothing. I don't know. Like my go-to McDonald's order, I guess that, that's probably like your cheap meal. Like cheap. Like I like Wendy's more than McDonald's, but like my McDonald's order is like two McDoubles, no mustard, no pickle, and then maybe a McChicken. That's about it. Now the Wendy's four for four deal, double stack. Sign me up with that every day. Uh, Taco Bell's trash. Um, I'll stand on that hill. Absolutely god awful. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm just full of controversial takes. You're In and out fries. Are ter- You're an anti pizza guy, right? I'm not anti pizza. It just I, I will eat pizza. I, I'll eat pizza all the time. But I mean, pretty much pizza is all the same. Okay, it's all the same. Pizza all the same, yeah. Yeah. I've never been like, oh my gosh, this is the best pizza I've ever had. And I've tried a lot of pizza places like Pizza Hut, Domino's, Hungry Howie's, Gourmet Spots. Uh, I've had a spar. I, we, we were, so we were in Vegas two weeks ago, right? And it was, I think it was our first night there. We got in and out for lunch and then we were like gambling and it was like, it was close to midnight. I think, and the, there was a Sparrow uh, inside. You got yourself a real uh, New York slice? A real New York slice, man. <laughs> just to tie it, just to go come full circle with the office, office references. Um, it, it was delicious. Maybe it was because I was drunk and uh, licking my wounds from a really bad day of gambling. But those were two fantastic slices of pizza. We had r- ridden the monorail like from the MGM Grand all the way back to our hotel, like at Bally's and the Link and the Flamingo and whatnot. And we were very hungry and uh, decided to get some Sparrows. And uh, the amount of Johnny Rockets in casino hotels in Vegas uh, would astound you. Like I thought there was only one, and it was the one at Citrus Park. But no, there are dozens of them, guys dozens of johnny rockets across the country oh yeah there's like a billion of them it's incredible Good old i'm trying to find that video of uh that xfl just to go completely off the rails i'm trying to find that video of the xfl team when they play the new york guardians they tweeted like i'm about to give me a new york slice and it was the savaro pizza but it was an l oh <laughs> uh, the xfl those were the Good days times. remember the xfl days yeah, those were good. That's pre-pandemic, right? Eric, yeah, Eric, I did not eat at any of the Gordon Ramsay places. Um, we went to this place called Eureka. It's like right, uh, right by Fremont. That was pretty good. Um, Samantha really liked the burger there, and she was a huge uh, truffle fry person. Um, they had some good truffle fries. Fremont Street was wild. If you guys ever been to Vegas and haven't been to Fremont, that's that's a wild place, man. I'll tell you what, it's the Wild West out there. So, uh, but yeah, we've definitely gone off the rails here, folks. Um, let's wrap this up. 
uh, a really solid day for USF football it, springboarding, you know, uh, really, I, I wouldn't even say they, they were able to take the momentum of the season because the season was trash and, and they did all their work on the, the promise that things will get better. And if you look at all of the commit videos from today, uh, a lot of the reasons that players gave for why USF was there are big things on the horizon and I want to be part of that. Now they, they've got to come to fruition, but the groundwork is there. It's been laid. It's, uh, it's going in the right direction. The IPF is going to be ready by the summer. It's, the OCS is going to be next. There, there's really good momentum that, you know, we'll, it'll tra- it should translate into wins uh, next season and we'll go from there. Um, but for, for Seth, for Stieg, uh, you guys go get some rest. It's been a fantastic uh, signing period for the Bulls. Uh, shout out to Iris 31 and home field apparel uh, for sponsoring the podcast yet again. Uh, just great stuff from them. Go go celebrate this signing day this weekend with with Irish Thirty One and go get yourself some home field apparel gear. You know, they've got six great logos and shirts for for USF fans and anyone in your family that you know what you know. I know Christmas is what ten days away. You know what? It's, yeah. still, it's the thought that counts. It's not that it's there by Christmas. Uh, it's what I try to tell Samantha when I forget about getting her something or I buy it and it doesn't get show up until like January 2nd. It's the thought. It's not that it's there on time. Uh, so make sure you use that first time users at home field, get 15% off their order site wide with the code daily stampede. And uh, for, for Seth, Nathan and Stieg, thanks again for listening to the Bluminati podcast. Be safe. Have fun. Go get me a New York slice. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's 